I am so sick of the media dictating the terms of the narrative in this country. I'm so sick of having to be apologetic for who I am. I'm so sick of people in middle America being called a flyover country or slope-headed conservative teabaggers. And it's going to be teabagging day. It's hard to talk when you're teabagging. <laughs> it's so funny because the teabaggers, the one thing they hate is when you call them racist. If racism is not the whole of the Tea Party, it is in its heart. The it's hatred that is Timothy McVeigh, that he had. There are plenty of people like that right now. Lots of I think you get the general tenor of this. It's anti-government. This is highly promoted by the right-wing conservative network, Fox. The left pits people against each other. Divide and conquer is the strategy. I don't want to live in that world. It is the exact opposite of E Pluribus Uno. He said you were He said he You are very racist. He said he You're going to be dealt with. He said he It's going to come to light who you really are. It's going to come to light who you really are. Hey, just answer one question. Yes or no? What about the fake person? And what the left has stood for with political correctness is to try and get those with whom they disagree to shut up. And the Tea Party movement and Sarah Palin and Michelle Bachman and Alan West and and all the all the people that have gone out there against the mainstream media and said, you're going to call us racist. You're going to call us potential Timothy McVeigh's. Fuck you. War. Welcome to Road Warrior Radio. You're tuned in live this Friday, February 23rd, 2024 on the one and only Republic Broadcasting Network. And as always, thanks for coming along for the ride. Uh, I am your host, Chris Hinckley. We are all road warriors, those who would esteem ourselves to be. As long as we still have road and warrior left in us, though there is an effort to get rid of both, obviously, a concerted effort and uh, a protracted struggle. Uh I am joined by my special guest this morning, Kevin McCarron. Um, compliments primarily of Brian and Jenna in Washington. You guys uh, made a push uh, to make that happen, and and uh, and so that has become a reality. Before we get started, I want to do what I have been doing customarily these days. I'm not trying to sneak up on anybody. My 
perspective where I'm coming from is that it's a the battle that we that we face, and it's everywhere, obviously. And I'm sure we'll get into that today with Kevin. Uh, it's worldwide. Uh, to me, my perspective on that is that it's first and foremost a spiritual battle, and so uh, as such, I've been opening broadcasts with prayer every day these days and so that's what i'm going to do today we'll start there and so in that fashion matthew uh chapter six the lord's prayer and ephesians chapter six the full armor of god uh our father who is in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom the power and the glory forever amen and Lord, please help us to put on the full armor of God. Please help us to put on the full armor of God. Help us to gird our loins about with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Shot our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Help us to take up the shield of faith. Put on the helmet of salvation. Take up the sword of the spirit. Help us to pray at all times in the spirit. Lord, I pray that no weapon formed against the righteous shall prosper. All who walk in error would come to know the truth in Christ. Reveal our hypocrisy and double-mindedness. I pray unrepentant evildoers be brought swiftly to justice. I pray uh, wickedness be brought swiftly to an end. Righteousness be restored in the land. And poisonous trees and offshoots like brands and agencies, uh, etc. Conceived in malice would collapse under the weight of their own evil. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, that's that, and uh, a quick a quick little blurb. As as you know, uh, RBN is listener supported. This is a listener supported network, and uh, there is no Ford Foundation grant, no Rockefeller Foundation, no Gates Foundation grant, uh, for obvious reasons. So your Support is vital and essential, and those who do support the network faithfully, and there are many, thank you for your support. So without further ado, uh, we'll just dive into it. Uh, again, joined by my special guest, Kevin McCarron. Kevin, um, I'm not sure, I don't really have uh, a CV per se, so I was uh, I was going to kind of throw it out to you. To, yeah, uh, so you, you just like a little bit of my background, right? Yeah, and, yeah. So um, I was uh, ensconced in what you could consider the orthodox sciences. I'm a systems neuroscientist. I have my own lab. Um, I basically focused on modeling of, uh, well, doing neuroscience and neurological systems, their interactions in disease and um, various model systems. So I sort of had that background and um and then covid happened and it was very obvious to me um just through early contact with covid and um as events were unfurling that this was uh, very much and you know with hindsight being 2020 um this was very much a um orchestrated um series of events and the, I was sort of vocal very early on, saying that what you were witnessing was was synthetic. And what do I mean by synthetic? 
that it has lab origins. Um, if it has lab origins, it means that there are other institutions and structures wrapped around it. And the the basic, but the conclusions after four years is that what we were dealing with is, um, and this isn't conspiracy theory, this is all um, admitted to, we know that we can track funding, etc. The SARS was a consequence. This, this is in the best case scenario. SARS as a consequence was um, a best an accident from biowarfare and what they call medical countermeasures research, where they try to um, essentially divine out the properties of viruses and then build, um, in this case, vaccines and um, interventional type um, drugs and prophylactics. And as this was sort of, and four years ago, that was a very contentious position to be holding, which was, this was a lab origin. I mean, if you can cast your mind back, you know, you literally had um, Fauci standing up in front of people, um, you know, it was in February, March, um, where he was saying we, we have definitive proof that um, from a group of excellent researchers, a paper that came out called Proximal Origin of SARS-CoV-2, which tried to claim that it had come from um, animals. And this was very obviously not the case. And uh, again, as time has passed, we now see that there was um, much collusion going on in the background there was a degree so when people think that these systems that are there were essentially there to protect the public right that's why we did we do and have science and scientific publishing and what you saw was the instantiation of what i would call just orwellian top-down control and narrative control perceptual control and in the words of a good friend of mine, biowarfare expert, Charles mm -hmm. Rixey, um, you're basically dealing with de facto biowarfare because you're dealing with um, the agents and the responses thereof. And if people try and think about what happened, think and try to remember how synchronized everything was and how hard they worked on messaging at the time. And it's this, um, how should we say, orchestration, again, at, at, at all these levels where people think that there would be independence, right? We sort of give scientists this leeway that they're supposed to be, you get tenure, you speak uh, your mind, etc. And this, all of that isn't true, okay? Right. This, these are highly controlled systems from the top down. And as, again, it, it, well, just... just to wrap this bit up, that have been militarized and have been used against the public. Yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking of the coordination, I mean, it was, like you said, it was obvious from the outset or even before. I mean, there were the exercises, you know, some people are aware of things like Event 201 and uh, the Crimson Contagion exercise the American mm -hmm. government conducted the summer before mm -hmm. COVID and so many other of those kinds of things, um, which mm, may carry with them some bit of plausible deniability. However, when you start stacking those coincidences, you know, you think of uh, Ian Fleming's Goldfinger, 
uh, once is happenstance, twice is coincidence, third time is enemy action. I think one of the big problems people maybe even still have um, is that it's so big in scope. Like you said, you know, worldwide, coordinated, orchestrated. And I'm reminded of uh, that article that uh, John Edgar Hoover wrote way back in the 50s, August 1956, published in the Elks Magazine. Um, Communist New Look was what it was titled. And in that, uh, and it was ironic, the subtitle, A Study in Duplicity, I think he was being duplicitous, but... um, he he sort of posed the question, would it surprise you to know that you are experiencing the very feeling of, of relaxation, which the proponents of the most monstrous cons- uh, tyranny ever conceived desire to evoke in you? And then he goes on later in the piece, he's focused on you know communism, but he, but he says uh, uh, the menace of communism in this country will remain a menace until the American people make themselves aware of the techniques of communism. Uh, no one who truly understands what it really is can be taken in by it, yet the individual is handicapped by coming face-to-face with a conspiracy so monstrous he cannot believe it exists. The American mind simply has not come to a realization of the evil which has been introduced into our midst. It rejects even the assumption that human creatures could espouse a philosophy which must ultimately destroy all that is good and decent. And um, I think this is very much that kind of a situation, like you said, about, you know, the messaging and so forth. There was no discussion. There were so many people along the way. And, you know, uh, many from the outset and, you know, uh, many voices were silenced like yours, uh, you know, on, on, on certain social media platforms and things. And, yes, it, was, uh, it was highly aggressive, and, and yeah. this was this was um, you know something that sort of drove me to to keep speaking. But um, I, I want to just sort of get back to your point about um, communism, etc. People might think that it's a little anachronistic, etc. And to some extent, I I agree. the um, The political vernacular of the nineteenth and twentieth century has been superseded, and what we're dealing with. But what was what was the problem um, when or, or, the, the where the rubber met the road with respect to the particular ideologies? And you can sort of argue that well, it was down. Um, communism is a sort of collectivized, centralized planning, and um, but it was predicated on the fact that there was this schism ideologically made between um, what was essentially the workers, the proletariat, and the, the, those who, who owned the means of production. And the four leaders have continued. They didn't stop with Marx or Engels. Um, it's continued to evolve. And it's not just a left-right paradigm anymore. Um, it involves all the trappings of what would be and they they drape themselves in these uh, robes of free markets and um, and now um, the uh, essentially protectors of quote unquote uh, democracy and uh, the um, 
the infrastructure that makes the the state move and what they've this is a conjecture of mine that what they've realized is that the previous philosophical bedrock upon which the claims of each competing system was made in, in this case the collectivist one the communist one again was too divisive because you had to you had to make this large split in the population and then then you basically had sort of protagonists and then the the layer above that in terms of um, node or hierarchical control uh, basically had a, a struggle to sort of keep it um, ticking over as a viable system and what we've seen and this is um, again this, we have plenty of time today so we, we, we have to ask where well, fire warfare agents were used um, what was what was the intended and s- stated aims their strategic aims yeah, yeah. Okay. and so they they have, in my opinion, realized you can't have this collectivist schism between workers, etc. They they need contention, which is why you see a lot of the social culture war stuff. Um but yeah. what they cottoned onto was what does everyone need? And what is essentially the great equalizer unless you are really, really um independent of the systems, right? Jeff Bezos is not constrained by his medical insurance, but most people, even what would be considered the middle class and the, um, what the bourgeoisie in this instance, um, are dependent on the medical system. And Mm -hmm. they've cottoned onto this fact and they must get everyone into that system. And they know that they can do this and, you know, this would, seem to fit their pattern of behavior, which is you you essentially enforce compliance through, again, the use... In the, over the last four years, it was the use of bio-warfare and the... Um, well, the psychological operations that went with it to convince people that they needed to go down the route which was and they tr- they told you there were no countermeasures available if there were countermeasures they couldn't have rolled out the uh, the vaccines which were, they're not vaccines they're genetic gene transfections we can get into the technology if you like but mm-hmm. let's just try and give an overview first yeah and so they've literally forced and i can give you sort of rough numbers over 13 billion shots were given worldwide into at least four and a half billion people. So they got the majority of the first world to comply, and they did that through what I would call it an assault on sovereignty, on mind, on and it, it wasn't just hypnosis. Right, there were real um, factors at play, and the when you start to pick at it, um, there may be more ulterior motives beyond even the communitarianism that we're seeing, yeah. technocratic communitarianism. Well, we are headed into a break, folks. We are joined. I'm joined today by my special guest, Kevin McCarron. Stick around. We'll be right back after this short break.
I'm so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pastures meats that you and your family will love. Now, we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high-quality pastures meats, and even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom-of-the-barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free-range or even cage-free terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low-quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasture-raised meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised, where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms in the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you've definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. But I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork. Raise the way nature intended. Gilad Otzman says the essence of Jewish power is the ability to prevent the discussion of Jewish power. Jewish power requires anybody in politics to understand it and know about it, but never talk about it. My awakening really sums up with the very best evidence, the facts and the truth about race, and the fact that race drives history, and the truth about the Jewish question. The younger you get, the greater the percentage of people who identify as alphabet soup, you know, LGBTQ, RS. This woman, she's like, oh yeah, I identify as a koala two years ago, and I'm like, what? A koala? What? Maybe if it was quickie koala, that might be cool, but otherwise, you know. How about an inward pass? Have you ever received an inward pass from any of your black friends? Biden invited a drag queen to come for the signing of the Respect for Marriage Act. It's the Respect for Anal Sex Act. So, you know, I mean, let's, let's just call it like it is. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central.
Welcome back. Welcome back. We, uh, again, I'm joined by Kevin McCarron. It's going to be an interesting discussion, I'm sure, and the time is going to fly by. We're, as is customary, when we're doing the commercial break, uh, we're chatting, uh, doing a back channel chat, and that's, uh, you know, as usual, it's as interesting as anything. So you were saying before we went to the break, Kevin, um, yes, there is a synthetic biowarfare component, but maybe there's what I was thinking, a deeper agenda. You said ul- ulterior motives embedded. And so yeah. do you want to continue from there? Yeah, so let's we can sort of expand on that. So, yeah. um, you know, w- wouldn't it not be enough that they got, in terms of the numbers, that they got what they needed for their um, systems of control? And the disturbing conclusion that you run into when you read the you know, examples like limits to growth and you hear people like Dennis Meadows talking is yeah, that you if I if I may interject people might not know I think there are a number of folks who follow you uh, who listen to this broadcast I know that um, not, it wasn't just Brian and Jenna who said hey you know maybe you should have uh, Dr. Kevin McCarron on and um, so your website, uh, McCarronDojo.com, yeah, mm-hmm. you posted the – you recently posted Dennis Meadows' talk, and it's titled The Club of Rome and Limits to Growth, Achieving the Best Possible Future, and that was back in 2010, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's and very so, – Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, people don't know. I mean – is yeah, Dennis Meadows is. I mean, this is well, sort of ground zero for a, this. A foot soldier for um, the the Henry Kissinger yeah. types. Yeah. Right? Think of Henry Kissinger, and Henry Kissinger needed um, people to be thinking and working in that space to uh, write out these policy documents that. Um, was moving towards algorithmic control as computational power was beginning to, well, essentially following Moore's law. And their overarching premise is um, what we would describe as Malthusian or Neo-Malthusian. Malthus was a priest in the 1700s, I want to say, who basically was convinced that there was a limited carrying capacity and that overpopulation would um, force... Uh, a collapse in um, their their living standards back then, and you know we can sit here now and sort of laugh at perhaps the concept, but yeah. they're basically making the same arguments, which is we are limited in resources. The everyone listening to this, you already have too many resources from their perspective, and yeah. if you're in retirement. It's even worse because you you suddenly become a drain on resources, right? And it reminds me that, of that uh, talk that Bill Gates did when uh, so many of the talks that he's done. But you know the one where he says, "Well, you know, um, we have, uh, you know, we have these problems and stuff like you're talking about. We have these world problems, and then you know, say." The teacher, you know, or, or excuse me, the, the the old person who's retired, you know, and now is the drain on the system, like you're saying. Um, they have three months to live, and 
you know, that last three months of life is really expensive, so we could pay for the last three months of life, or, you know, we could pay a teacher or a few. And so I, I asked the question, well, how do we know when the last three months of life is, which is, you know, who decides when the last three months of life is anyway? And these these aren't just hypotheticals right now. To the north yeah. of your border, they're, off, they're offering assisted dying to people. Yeah. They're offering assisted dying to people who were um, maimed by the gene transfection technologies that were utilized as the medical countermeasure to the biowarfare agent that they rolled out. This is already happening. It's not something yeah. um, theoretical possibility. It, it's here. Um, now, they would argue, well, just the numbers are low. Well, okay. But as I said earlier, what, what we have to do is... When you forensically start looking at what's happened, and this is why I think it's so important to look at the molecular biology. And the molecular biology... We are headed into a break again. Okay. It's going to go fast. I know it's going to go fast, folks. Stick around. We'll be right back with Dr. Kevin McCarran right after this short break. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try Hemp Paste for the price of a cup of coffee. HempPaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at RepublicBroadcasting.org and visit HempPaste.com slash RBN. Health Simple with Colorado Shilaji. Fact bit number two. In Ayurvedic Pharmacology, Shilaji is the king Raza Yoga Vahayana. Raza Yana is one of the comprehensive disciplines of Ayurveda. 
It comprises of specialized uses of herbal minerals to achieve the optimum state of health. Razayana is a path to achieve homeostasis and thus retarding the process of aging and the prevention of diseases. Shilaji stands alone as the king herbal mineral over all other earth-made substances. Within Razayana, Shilaji is the ultimate substance that improves quality of plasma and blood. Thus, it strengthens and promotes health to all tissues of the body. Legit Shilaji, like Colorado Shilaji, is as the literal Sanskrit translation implies. Shilaji is the conqueror of mountains and the destroyer of weakness. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Are required to do that, and you know it's not likely, and it's not clearly a good thing either. But unless, so if, as, as long as you're dealing with a finite amount, as the medical cost goes up, and that shows up both in state budgets as so-called state Medicaid spending, uh, and it shows up in the federal budget as as Medicare, and they're part of, of Medicaid, it squeezes out everything else. Uh, so right now, what you see is it's squeezing higher education. You're raising tuitions at the University of California at the, as rapidly as they can. And so the access that used to be available to the middle class or whatever is just rapidly going away. That's a trade-off society is making because of very, very high medical costs and a lack of willingness to say, you know, is spending a million dollars on that last three months of life for that patient, would it be better not to lay off the, those 10 teachers and to make that trade-off in medical costs. But that's called the death panel, uh, and you're not supposed to have that discussion. So you, of course... Ha, ha, ha. So, yeah, this comes from the guy who loves Daryl Huff's book, How to Lie with Statistics, and I think Carol Wright was correct. We have to prevent the liar from figuring. We have to prevent him from perverting the truth. Anyway... So we have we also have the Dennis Meadows clip that we can throw in back to back that is uh the same same sentiments being expressed. So can we do that, Mr. Bordop? In one way or another, we are so far globally we are so far above the population and the consumption levels which can be supported by this planet that I know in one way or another it's going to come back down. So I don't hope to avoid that. Uh, I hope that it can occur in a a, a civil way, I, 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 and I mean civil in a in a special way, I, peaceful. Peace doesn't mean uh, that everybody's happy, but it means that conflict isn't solved through violence, through through force, uh, but rather. In other ways. And so uh, that's what I hope for. Um, that we can, I mean, the planet can support something like a billion people, maybe two billion, depending on how much liberty and how much material consumption you want to have. If you want more liberty and more consumption, you have to have fewer people. And Conversely, you can have more people. I mean, we could even have eight or nine billion, probably, if we have a very strong dictatorship, which is smart. It's unfortunately 
you never have smart dictatorships. They're always stupid. So, but if you had a smart dictatorship and a low standard of living, you can have it. But, but we want to have freedom and we want to have a high sentence. So we're going to have a billion people. And we're now at seven. So we have to get back down. I hope that this can be slow, relatively slow, and that it can be done in a way which is relatively equal, uh, you know, so that people share uh, the experience and you don't have a few rich, you know, trying to force everybody else to, to deal with it. So those are my hopes. I mean, these are pretty pessimistic hopes, you know, but um, that's, that's what lies ahead. So uh, I, would, I would also like to note there are a number of folks – uh, you know, but speaking of Bill Gates and Dennis Meadows together, when Bill Gates did his uh, infamous innovating to zero TED talk, which was, by the way, around the same time that Dennis Meadows was giving the talk that we referred to earlier that you have posted on your website, uh, Kevin, Bill Gates used Dennis Meadows uh, equation. That infamous mm -hmm. CO2 equals P times S times E times C is that's drawn directly from Dennis Meadows. And um, so, you know, there, again, back to your point about um, coordinated, orchestrated, uh, it's the same, same discussion. And so, you know, there, there, what, there's, there's some very important bits that we need to drill into what, what he was saying in that talk, which can be distilled down to, he wants it to be, quote-unquote, civil, yeah. and two, meritocratic, meaning everyone lifts their fair share of the burden. A smart so, dictatorship. Um, <laughs> in, yeah, well, it, 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 I have a feeling dictatorship will still Who come decides? even if they get the population down. But um, in terms of mechanisms, in order to be able to move in that direction. It's all right having these think tanks and them paying these wackademics to um, come up with these ideas and um, to, uh, but if they're, if they're never actionable, they're just, um, they're just hot air and basically points of perhaps historical interest. But these, uh, his hopes are being made in an, in an era where suddenly the tech, the technology allows for his personal wishes to be played out. Now, if you were to go to Dennis Meadows, off camera, no microphones, walking down the beach, and say to him, look, we could make this happen. We can frame it as ecological disaster, which is what they were desperately trying to do with SARS mm -hmm. by claiming it was um, an uh, animal spillover event. And we can make it such that everyone has to, everyone will be forced to um, take the population reduction mechanism. Mm -hmm. and, and so, okay, that, that you, people can imagine that part, right? Which is, okay, the, there's, you, you think about ways and methods to do that. And he, he says, okay, well, well, what's involved in, how, how do you make it such that, because another part of that, what he was talking about, is that it's it's delayed in terms of the impact on populations. Why? Because they want it to remain civil, because if people understand what's being done, they're not going to be civil. 
right? Especially if they were forced and mandated um, basically just to uh, um, live on a day-to-day basis, right? Work, except Alan Watt. Yeah, Alan Watt used to remind us he, you know, it was the title of one of his broadcasts back around the same time, actually, in 2010. Peace is the absence of all opposition. That's what they mean. And I keep mentioning the stabbing scene from uh, Saving Private Ryan, uh, um, where basically the German soldier is saying quietly in German, give up, you don't stand a chance. Let's end this here. It'll be easier. You know, it's going to be over. It'll all be over quickly. Be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Mm -hmm. And um, that's how, that's what I hear when I hear these things, you know. Yeah. Basically trying to, yeah. So let's let's think about what's the equivalent of the knife in this situation. We know someone's trusting it, and this is why I'm I'm going to keep drilling down into the molecular biology. And this is why it's important that um, people don't do not get waylaid by people saying things like viruses aren't real, etc. It's because of these being able to derive out these genomic signals that we can see the molecular biology that they used to gene transfect into individuals and so can you can you repeat that real quick please so people who have been fixated on things like viruses aren't real etc it's kind of a cope that they're using to try to say well that this biowarfare agent hasn't been released etc um and what in doing that what they what they miss is our ability to go in and sample these sequences which is what the authorities did and what was dispersed among the corporations which were run by essentially militarized operations depending on you know you can just basically think of it as dod as a as for sake of argument yeah. in this instance and yeah. by the smart dictatorship able, yeah i guess <laughs> and so you can look at the molecular biology amino acid by amino acid, and you can start making predictions about the effects that it would have. And this is something that people have to really drill into their minds, okay? The short chains of amino acids are biologically active. And the best example I can get, and this is why the venom um, in the water was such a pernicious um, interjection into the dialogue that people were having because there's there's biology that happens down there and venoms are these short chains of amino acids often cysteine rich and um, a lot of sulfur bonds and you know you get venom sprayed in your eyes or sunk into a muscle from a sting or a bite um, the effects are pretty immediate right and so you have to you have to you can't have on a mass scale, a biological reaction that you you have people turn up, roll up their sleeve, because the first hundred that fall down, the rest are going to turn around and not engage in your program, right? And this is where it's, like I say, it's important to start understanding these active epitopes, approximately 20 amino acids or so, and they imbue properties to the expression products that happen with exposure to the virus or exposure to gene transfection technologies and the spike spike protein that you your body was forced to make and and so 
we can say, well, some people say, well, you know, we can see people that have immediate reactions, etc. And um, yes, we, we know this, but we have to, let's try and constrain the conversation to what Meadows was saying, which is he wants it to be extended out. They need, what, what he's saying is they need plausible deniability when the, um, the disease states begin to emerge. Now, there's, yeah. there's only a can few I, ways. Can I interject a couple of things? Uh, so, way back when, um, when when the shenanigans first became obvious, uh, what was it, April 16th, I think, um, immediately some of us started sounding the, the alarm. I wrote a piece way back then, uh, April 10, 2020, flatten the curve is counterproductive. And uh, I drew largely on um, the work of folks like uh, Professor Newt Bukowski, who was the um, epidemiologist, epidemiological voice, who immediately said, flatten the curve is worthless. John Ioannidis was saying the same stuff, you know, this is this is insane. It's the opposite of reality. A lot of the the really credentialed voices were immediately saying, what are you doing? And, um, you know, they had their models and things. Uh, Vikowski, man, you know, he, he seemed to have a real heart for people trying to say, please don't do this. You're going to kill millions of people. But it did being able to say, you know, I mean, what is it? 1500 days to flatten the curve so far um to do that they all those guys said if you do this all you're going to do is prolong it but that gave them that plausible deniability am i tracking with you um to some extent but um it's more complex than that yeah so what those individuals were doing um all these people they're trying to look at this with respect to normal pathogens that we would see with respect to seasonality and it should um the usual parameters would apply in that case we aren't dealing with those cases i'm afraid this is this is something else and so the the yes there were countermeasures that could have been taken these were very obviously um inhibited that that you know remember the discussions about um ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, there are other um, prophylactic measures that could be taken, uh, peptide fusion inhibitors that they have. Um, all, all of these are potentials that if they if they were extant, the, the rule book said, oh, you can't just rush out this vaccine. And the um, and so the we have to think well okay this is four years into this as far as rushing out the vaccine that was that was the like you said the rule book said you can't just rush out a vaccine it was usually five to ten years to market and uh the mrna technology changes that that escalated quickly uh so to speak but um you had you had some of the other interesting points along the way back in you know, when Bill Gates created the decade of vaccines from 2010 to 20, um, toward the end of that, he was interviewed several times in Davos at the World Economic Forum. 
talking about this technology. Um, Lulu Chang, for example, I think it was the 2017 uh, interview that he talked specifically about CEPI and how, um, you know, he, he sort of talked broadly about the mRNA platform. He called it RNA-DNA. And um, speaking of the early moments in COVID, even Peter Hotez testified in Congress, Mr. Vaccine Poster Child, um, vaccines didn't cause Rachel's autism, Peter Hotez testified and said that the mRNA technology died in the early 70s with the children who died as a result of the experimentation. And he said it it's remained on the shelf until the Gates Foundation came along and picked it up. So you have Gates admitting that they were, you know, CEPI was created specifically as one of the, the pet projects to enable this technology. So again, there's, um, what do they call that in, in, uh, in, um, you know, homicide investigations, it was premeditated essentially. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, Yes, it was, um, pre-planned. And so in, in this instance, right, there was nothing literally anyone can do because the decision has been made at the highest levels where they have the power to um, instantiate policy. And so what you what you then have to do, and this is, again, I'm going to drag you into this molecular world, right, because it's they want plausible deniability, but they also need a mechanism of action that is, from their perspective, capable of achieving the results that they would desire. Right? And so his result, his desire is to get us down to one, one or so billion people on the planet. And like I said, there's only, there's only a few ways to do that in terms of molecular biology. And the, the, the way that you do that is, well, you can't, you can't have an immediate toxin like effect, like a, um, right. a, a venom, right? Again, because people would know be too it, obvious, too obvious. And so there has been, and there is this domain of work. Um, and this is why I was able to key into it because that's part of where I would work in the, uh, it, when I was ensconced in the system. And there are a, type of disorder that we call prion disorders that mm-hmm. are best characterized by um, slow onset but invariably fatal and um, are what well euphemistically it's just said transmissible meaning that it's able to pass from person to person and so the canonical example of this would be the mad cow outbreak in the UK. And I want you to think back, cast your mind back and think how vigorous they were in trying to eradicate any form of prion in the food chain with... It was insane. Mm -hmm. It was really uh, irrational, illogical. Mm -hmm. Well, I wouldn't say it was irrational or illogical. It was well. It, 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 it the perception publicly. I think if you were really paying attention, it seemed irrational publicly. Yeah, because people people back then didn't understand the mechanisms, right? So people have a sort of intuitive idea of what 
bacterial infection will do or what a virus infection will do. But the um, what happens when you've got a spreading, transmissible, spongiform encephalopathy, which basically mm-hmm. means mad cow disease, or for a more American example, chronic wasting disease. That's what you have right now that you can look to as perhaps a real-world example of how a uncontrolled, not even uncontrolled, once a mass release of prions, infective prions, are injected into the environment. And what they've, what they've shown with these prions is that they're capable of um, surviving very harsh conditions. And I want people to think about, well, deer don't crowd together in cities. Deer don't throng together in stadia, etc. They're basically um, in small herds and are spread out um, widely across, in this case, I want to say most of the United States. I want to say it's in like 30-odd states in the United States, Canada as well. Some reports in Europe. And um, people... So people struggle to make the mental jump from uh, from the fact that viruses, and you you have people who will doggedly say viruses aren't real, okay? And this is this is why this is so frustrating. But you have to go down another order of magnitude to think about the peptide that would be the prion that causes a cascade of events that leads to something like chronic wasting disease, zombie deer, or BSE mad cows, okay, yeah, and that picture becomes even more complicated as we've learned more and more about these disease mechanisms. We call them proteinopathies, which means basically you have a disorder of protein misfolding in your body, and the way that these proteins fold essentially makes them infectious. They form, um, they stick together, essentially a bit like Lego bricks or magnets if you like, and they form oligomers. And these these chains of peptides that they make are very, very uh, resistant to any sort of breakdown and persist in the environment. And now we know we can look at how how is uh, a, a piece of protein spreading among deer when the interaction would be minimal with respect to the head count of deer, right? With a contagion, you can you can understand how it would spread in confined spaces, in tube strain buses, etc. That that kind of makes sense with aerosolization, etc. How is it happening with these peptides that are causing these um, zombie-like uh, states? And um, what they've, like I said, what they've found is that they're highly highly resistive, and now. Um, they've shown that it can be taken up by plant roots and dispersed into the leaves that the animals eat and also be spread by parasites, ticks and uh, bot flies. And they will carry, and so there'll be a herd of deer, right? And if you've got one with CWD, the a bot fly will then carry it from deer to deer to deer and give I them live. Yeah, I live in Montana, um, and you know, 
in the western Montana area. Yeah, I mean, I was born in Montana and growing up, you know, hunting was just a normal thing. And since then, now there are these pockets, and it seems like the pockets are growing where we have to be concerned about uh, CWD, and I mean, it's a big deal. And now there are check stations, and you got to get checked before you go hunting, and when you come back hunting, whether you shot anything or not and so yeah i mean that it speaks to what you're saying in the sort of crossover where the concern becomes again that responsibility to protect and prevent mm. yeah and the, the and the thing is the you have to understand that as they've tried to or they've engaged in bio warfare programs around bacteria parasites um viruses there have been coordinated efforts to weaponize prions. Now, you can take the infective mis misfolded protein and you could aerosolize it in the room, right? And that would infect people. And depending on the type of prion that it is and the exposure that you have, you could, um, you could maybe infect a few others if they were handling your infective tissue the wrong way. Um, what this research has done and why I tried to make a point at the beginning to hone down to understanding these short chains that are part of, so if you think of the spike protein as this very large 3,000 amino acids make that um, peptide up. Now, in its interaction in the body, it basically gets cut in half and you often hear people talk about an S1 segment and an S2 segment. Okay, and this is um, this is part of the entry cycle that that peptide uses to get inside the cell. Now, what we can do by looking at the amino acid sequence is we can make predictions about which um, sequences of amino acids have this prion-like property, and there is a. Um, but there's a there's a broad range of what we've said. So there's prion means proteinaceous infectious particle. There's the infective transmissible prion, Creutzfeldt Jakob in humans, and then there are a number of others that basically revolve around Parkinson's, um, frontotemporal lobe dementia, um, Alzheimer's, all these neurodegenerative disorders, and they each have their own misfolded protein as causal to these diseases that's probably a good way for people just to digest where we're at yeah we're we're headed into a break second hour coming up stick around folks we'll be right back with the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties as a listener of rbn no one understands this concept better than you now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. 
This is RBN, the Republic Broadcasting Network.